What is up, everybody? How you doing? How you living? Austin Cunningham and Justin Trees coming to you today after the NFL draft. It is a wrap of the offseason. We are now ready for the season. We know where our teams are at, who's been picked, how it's going to fit, and how it's going to go. Now is the time to get excited and go, all right, we're ready for a Super Bowl run. Or if you're the Kansas City Chiefs, like me, a big old Chiefs Kingdom guy, you know we're ready to make a run for back-to-back, hashtag run it back, we're here. Trees, it was a virtual draft. It was a different setting this year. Did you hear of any instances or stories of things getting messed up? Or were you kind of as surprised as I was at how smoothly everything went this year? No, it sounded like it went very smoothly. I did hear, and now, now that you put me on the spot, I can't remember what team it was, but somebody's internet went out right when the draft started, and they had to have Comcast come out and fix it. Oh, gosh, I did not hear that. Yeah, so it was like an hour before the draft was supposed to start, but they were I, – and I, I wish I remembered the team. But I think they were like later rounds, like in the 20s, and I guess the Comcast came out immediately, and they actually got it resolved before the draft even started. So it ended up <laughs> not that big of a deal, but like I'm sure that that person was panicking. So I think yeah, it was the like head was... coach. It wasn't, it, was, it wasn't the GM, though. So like the GM was still able to roll it. The head coach just wasn't online. Huh, I wonder who that, it might. Maybe it was Bill Belichick just being on a freaking island to do the draft. But I guess he would count as a GM as well, so it wasn't him. But uh, a lot of great storylines, a lot of great picks. One thing that I do have a knock on is the way ESPN handled the draft. It was like they were trying to get us to cry too much or to, to feel uh, sorry for the players. Not maybe sorry, but like. You know, you kind of feel for me a little bit with the way they would put the storylines or the bullet points about the player once they were drafted. It would be like led the team in receiving, led the division, was a All-American honoree or whatever. And then it's like mom dealt with drug addiction for 16 years. It's like, okay, hey, we don't need to know that right now. Like, that's cool to have once he's on the team and making plays. Bring that storyline out and give a full scope of it. Instead of just going 16 years, is this still something he's dealing with? Is this something his mom's still going with? We don't have any, we don't know. And that player was T Higgins, who eventually was drafted by the Bengals. Uh, He did come out and say, hey, uh, proud of my mom for overcoming this and still helping me do everything that we can to achieve my dreams. This is awesome. But you have to know at the same time, it's like ESPN did this for almost every player. They just had to find one knock or one sad thing that happened in their life, and they pointed it out. And to me and my point of view of it was that just wasn't needed. It wasn't necessary. But everything ran smoothly in my mind. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I didn't even see that until on Sunday afternoon, um, actually. And that's actually more because I just didn't watch the draft on ESPN. I watched it on Bleacher Report. Shout out. Uh, So, yeah. Uh, But I agree. But that's kind of uh, ESPN's MO though, right? Like yeah. they try to make it more of a drama thing than they do sports nowadays, which is why all these other companies and, you know, have caught up to them basically. Like they had a stranglehold on sports and they no longer do. And that's one, because there's a lot of talent elsewhere, but two, because a lot of people started realizing, Oh, it's not just about sports anymore for ESPN and Disney. So, yeah. I mean, absolutely. One thing that I did hear, though, is that ESPN, they just had too many broadcasters on. Uh, Like you said, we watched the Bleacher Report stream. Uh, They were live on YouTube and in the app, and it went went really well. They were pretty much ahead of the actual draft. Um, A majority of the way they were able to announce the picks before ESPN or NFL Network did. 
uh, for about the first two days. The third day, I'm not sure quite how that went for them because uh, I was doing radio with uh, Mello. But it seems like everything was just too much for ESPN. And with Bleach Report, it was just enough. So that was pretty cool to get to watch that aspect of it. But, Treese, before we continue to talk the draft, let's talk Trisivia. What you got, my man? All right. There is a player that got drafted today, or this weekend, I should say. Sorry. Got drafted this weekend. He, over the course of two years, uh, 2018 and 2019 combined, he had 179 touches. On 179 catches? Touches. Touches, okay. Um, 38 of those, it took um, – he got tackled by a solo tackle, basically. Okay. All the other ones took multiple defenders to bring him down. Or they didn't bring him down, I should say. One or the other. Okay. Who is this? So this is a player that got drafted this weekend who yep. had 179 total touches. So this is running the ball and receptions. And only 38 times was he tackled by one player. And the rest, every other tackle, he was either not tackled, which he's going to score, which we like to see, or it took multiple defenders. Yep. Um, first off, is this going to be a running back? Uh, he, I mean, he played wide receiver and running back in college. So given okay. that's a lot, of, that's a lot of people in college though. Right. So, um, so that's my answer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure that that helps me at all, especially with the amount of people that were drafted this weekend. Um, CD lamb. No. Uh, how about this? He was drafted Friday. Okay. So, uh, a Swift, Dobbins, Jonathan Taylor. Nope, you got to think. All those guys had way more than 179 touches in the last two years combined. Yeah, I'm not. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not going to have a freaking clue on the amount of touches that a college player had. It's fair. Just to be frank. It's fair, but you would you would know that those those guys all had more. They're running backs. Absolutely, but trying to just throw I some names you. out there. I get you. I mean, come on, dude. It's pretty obvious on who this can be. <laughs> did Are you being serious? Our, did one of our players take a uh, a skill position on Friday? What did one of our players? One of our teams take a skill position player. Okay, Just, your team did. Who who did they take? Man, you remember they take? I don't That's remember. Then you're not going to guess it. Yeah, I'm throwing in the towel, dude. Dwight just freaking throwing it in. Ding, ding, ding. Get me out of here. I'm beat up right now. LaVisca Chenault. The Colorado receiver. Okay. Colorado receiver. Hey, that was uh, – wish I would remembered that because, yeah, now I feel like a freaking idiot. But <laughs> that was a guy that, yeah, we were pretty high on. Yeah. Mainly you. Sure. I'm not going to try and take credit for that. But I definitely remember you talking about him quite a bit and going like, hey, this kid is going to make some noise here. And the fact that he ends with your team – it's got to get you excited. Yeah, for sure. Super excited, uh, mainly because he doesn't need to be the number one wide receiver with DJ Chark there. I just don't – I don't think that Chanel could be a number one wide receiver in the NFL. But uh, if he's a number two or three weapon on an offense, I think that that's a perfect fit for him. Perfect. Um, what, let's just hear your thoughts on your team's draft. Do you want to do that or not? Um, I mean, we're doing divisions. 
So I'd rather okay. just wait. Let's wait. All right. Okay. All right. So let's just talk about some surprises, though. Uh, is there a surprise for you for a maybe a player going early, player going later, um, anything at all just about the draft that you were surprised about? Um. Yeah, honestly, I was kind of surprised with the way – um, the Jets handled it. I really thought that they were going to go receiver first, mainly just because that's something we had talked about. Um, and the way that the draft fell with Josh Jones uh, falling as well, or the 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 oh my word, the offensive tackle from you or from Houston, Josh, Josh Jones, correct? Yes. So with the way that he fell in the draft, the Jets could have gotten a Jerry Judy at eleven and then gotten Jones in the second. Instead, they take. Um, Mekai, uh, Becton at 11, and then they take Denzel Mims in the second. And it was just kind of like, hey, you could have flipped that. Uh, the way that the Denver Broncos drafted was just spectacular. Uh, you've already mentioned we're going to go into divisions here, so I don't want to take too much of a deep dive on it. But one that did surprise me as well was the way the Dolphins handled this entire process. Uh, they really had me and I think a lot of other people going like, Justin Herbert is most likely going to be the possibility here. And I think with that being over-reported and overdone, and then even reports of them going like, hey, we're actually just going to take a tackle here and maybe just kind of roll with Fitzpatrick or just let's see what happens with our team and where we're at. And they end up taking Tua. So this just kind of – the smoke screen worked well for them in not having teams trade up in front of them to eventually take Tua just because – there was reports at the combine that there was awkward interactions and that they kind of shunned him and they didn't really talk to him too much. Herbert comes on in an interview right before the draft and he goes, Hey, the two teams I've been talking to the most are the dolphins and the chargers. Like either way, he ends up going to the chargers. Who knows if he's going to start their day one, week one uh, reports came out today where Anthony Lynn was like, Hey, it's still going to be Tyrod Taylor, but it's definitely going to be an open competition. The other thing that really got me was Zach Bond, uh, the linebacker falling. There were several other linebackers taken in front of him. Just the way that he was projected on all the mocks, it looked like he was getting to a point where, hey, he might get drafted night one, and he fell all the way to like day two or three. Um, so it was quite the fall for him. Uh, what about you, though, Treese? Who really caught you by surprise on the draft, falling or being taken early? Uh, so my two biggest ones were uh, I felt like the Packers just – tanked like i i don't know what they were thinking like i don't want to dive too much into it again we're gonna we're gonna talk about them in a, in a different episode so i won't get too much uh but my biggest one was uh christian fulton falling to second the second late second round yeah um i mean i said it a couple episodes ago like he was like tied with cj henderson as my number two cornerback like i liked them both and yeah seeing Henderson going nine overall and then Christian Fulton going end of round two. So you're talking like pick like 60, 58, 59, somewhere in that area. I just don't see that big of a difference of a gap there. So um, those were my two biggest things. And it actually started really reminding me of Gardner Johnson uh, last year from Florida. He was a guy yeah. that I think right before the draft, I, I my hot take was he was going to be the first DB taken last year. And then he fell to like the fifth round. So yeah. hot take that went uh, horribly, horribly wrong. But um, it's just like that, though. And it's crazy how those type of things happen. Um, another one, obviously, you know, call it homerism if you want. But Bradley and I fall into the last pick of the fifth round. Yeah. Sh shocking. 
Yep. When he was there for the Chiefs in the fifth, I really thought that they might take him. Uh, they eventually went in another direction, taking, I believe it was a corner at that point. Um, really, really fast kid who was kind of played safety corner combo. But I really was like, hey, the Chiefs might just take an edge guy like right here and Bradley and Nace sitting there. Another one, uh, Bryce Hall, the corner from Virginia. Man, he just fell a ton. And it was just due to the fact that, hey, he could have came out last year. He decides to go back, break, you know, has a severe injury. The way Corona worked out, you can't have meetings. You can't do the physicals. You can't get everything up to date the way teams want it. And that dude just fell and fell and fell. So I feel really bad for him. Uh, Jake Fromm and Jacob Eason as well. Dang, I feel I feel really bad for those guys. Um, and the fact that they listened to whoever said, hey, you should come out in the draft. You might be a second or third round guy. Instead, they're both like fifth and sixth rounders and just straight up going to be a backup for their career in the NFL unless things completely change. I think Jacob Eason's got a better situation um, in Indianapolis and some people might think, but like Jake Fromm being in Buffalo, hey, that's Josh Allen's team right there. You're not getting that job at all. Yeah, for sure. And Eason was picking picked in the third round. So, um, but Ooh, still, but, but yeah, still the falling that far, right? Like we all, I, I mean, we even thought it was like way early second round. Like he'd be like a guy that's, or even somebody trades up to get that fifth year option at the end of round one. So for sure they fell. Um, yeah. So those are the biggest takeaways for me. Um, speaking of um, Bryce Hall, uh, he's he's a chief now, right? No, he is not. <laughs> Uh, it looks like he was going to be for a little bit and they kind of ran with it on the old bleacher report. And then it was like, Oh, do you know what? It is not Bryce Hall. We just got lied to you. So that was kind of an awkward situation. Cause I was celebrating it for a little bit. You know, I was got a couple tweets out shit, not even the guy at all. I mean, I'm sure the dolphins kind of felt the same way when they thought, when a lot of people thought, uh, Deandre Swift was going to be that pick uh 26 i think it was on day one so there's a lot of there's a lot of reports that he was going to be the pick and then obviously wasn't so um yeah overall though i thought the draft went smoothly like i really did and honestly i'm good with them keeping it this way like it it doesn't change anything as fans like unless you're going to the draft like everything else was honestly the exact same no, most definitely. And that's what I think just kind of made it confusing with what ESPN and NFL Network did was putting too many people on there, like Michael Irvin and Booger McFarlane. Why am I looking at those guys on the screen? Like, this is something Mel and I talked about uh, in person. We talked about it on radio, and I'm sure he talked about it today on their podcast. And it's just, like, why were those guys on there? Like, I need to hear from the reporters, like Mel Kuyper. Like, I want to hear his thoughts on this. And just kind of keep it nice and close, like Daniel Jeremiah. Uh, let's just kind of keep all of this rolling. McShay wasn't there uh, due to being sick. But, like, damn, why was there so many people and so many different things going on that it just kind of took away from what the draft ultimately was and what could have been uh, for them? Yeah, absolutely. All right, cool. Um I like that we didn't say anything about our team's draft so far. Um, I, I do appreciate that. And it's actually kind of interesting because you and I actually haven't really talked about like what we thought about. Each, like We obviously were texting all day Thursday about uh, during the draft. Mm-hmm. Friday, I think we sent like one or two texts to each other and then haven't really talked since. So um, it'll actually be exciting to hear once we get to our team. So let's play a game, though. So, <clears throat> oh, actually, before we do that, I went back to our mock draft. Because I just wanted to see how we did. 
because we went crazy, right? <laughs> Very. So, in the first round, we got seven picks correct. We got one that was the player got picked at the right spot that we had. Somebody just traded up for that spot. Um, and then we had, I think, two or three others where uh, – sorry, three others where the, we had the team taking the right position, just the wrong player. Hey, look at us so go. So that's like 12. It was like 12, 12 or 13 out of the 32 that we had right, which is pretty difficult to do. So I was pretty happy with it. Yeah, uh, especially with this crazy as we went with all the trades. Like just the yeah. fact that to kind of even get some of those down uh, – Look at us go, man. Who would have thought, yeah. you know, you're, wel- you're welcome. Niners fans, since we got both of yours, right. Including the trade. So <laughs> Dude, uh, some Niners fans <laughs> were not happy, but I am glad that we were both kind of on the page of, Hey, if Kinlaw's there, they're probably taking them because the receivers have probably already gone on a run, which yeah. they did. And it just worked out for him in a way of that. Hey, you just lost a big, you know, you just lost Buckner. Let's put Kenlaw in here. Hopefully you get the same production. You don't got to pay that much. You just keep going from there. And there were some people that were upset. I'm not going to say any names, but it was just kind of like, where else did you want him to go there? Because you just got a plug and play replacement for, you know, a shit ton less of what it would have cost you before. Yeah. And Devin, I love Brandon Ayuk, so I'm super happy about that. But like, I could see it at the same time though. Like, C.D. Lamb was on the board, Justin Jefferson was on the board. Like, having those two on the board when uh, you took Kinlaw, like, I could see that being a tough, tough pill to swallow. I could see that. I'm glad they didn't take C.D. Like, C.D. going to the Cowboys shocked me. I did not think the Cowboys were going to be in on an offensive player at all. Dude, I text you right before they picked, and I, I think I even said. Dude, C.D. Lamb's going to be there at 20, no doubt. And I think I said, Cowboys aren't going to take an offensive weapon. (laughs) You know, and I just went down the list, and I was like, dude, he's going to be there. And then literally 30 seconds later, they took him. So um, it was crazy. Like, watching him fall was also a big shocker. So, all right. So we know that a lot of podcasts are doing grading this week. that's That's what a lot of podcasts are doing. We wanted to try to do something a little different, um, but obviously still do somewhat of the same thing, um, just our opinions and stuff. So instead of uh, alphabetical grades, we decided to do – why not do a fuck, Mary kill of drafts? And then we're like, well, that's only three, and there's four teams in every division. So what's our fourth? And what did you come up with? We came up with the old that bitch Carol Baskin uh, because no one wants her. No one wants anything to do with it. Just, hey, you're going to look at it and be like, you know what? You're not any better than the thing that just got killed. So uh, be gone, Satan. So that bitch Carol Baskin uh, is going to be on the poor receiving end of the fuck, Mary kill situation that we've put in per division uh, as we roll through this bad boy. So... Trees, do you want to go ahead and lead us off on the Saints and kind of where they went in the draft and your overall grade and thought process on how they did? Yeah, for sure. So uh, let's see, round one. Let's so let's just do this. We'll go every other. We'll just name off the players and then we'll get, then we'll go into what we think. So uh, yeah. Saints pick twenty four in the first round. They took Caesar Ruiz, uh, offensive guard slash center out of Michigan. Like he's a, he's a stud. Like he's very good. We actually had. Um, him going to the first round in our mock draft, 
considered the best interior offensive lineman in the draft. I actually think that's very good. You're helping out that offense for one final run. Uh, you brought up Zach Bond earlier today. He did fall to the third round, pick 74. They end up getting a steal, I think, in my opinion there. Um, then they end up trading a lot of picks for to move back up into the third round at pick 105 uh, for Adam Trotman, the tight end. And then they took and then they didn't pick again till the seventh round. And then they took Tommy Stevens, uh, the quarterback. So the big thing with that, especially because they ended up signing Jameis Winston yesterday, um, he is going to be a camp arm. And then the moment they have to start shedding rosters down, he will be one of the first to go. Yeah, most, probably most likely, unless because, I mean, he's somewhat of a decent athletic quarterback, right? I'm not sure if you're too familiar with his gameplay. Um, I know they signed Taysom Hill to another deal as well. But if yeah. Tommy Steven comes in and does just as well, I mean, he's probably not as thick as what uh, Hill is. But, you know, hey, you know, maybe we got like the second coming of it right here. He's going to be a little younger and cheaper, yada, yada, yada. I think what the Saints did, though, was good. You get Zach Bond, a falling linebacker. Maybe one of the only spots that you really needed help with on your defense. And then you go get Adam Trotman, a tight end, in the third round as well, trading back up to him. Hey, that's going to be a nice, reliable receiving weapon for Mr. Drew Brees. He had it last year with Jared Cook. You're going to get it this year with the young Trotman. Hey, maybe all goes well. And I'm not going to say this guy is going to be an all-pro or pro bowler, but, like, hey, he might be making some noise um, as a young tight end in that offense because he's going to find a lot of openings with Michael Thomas on the other side or maybe the same side, but that's where the attention is going to be going. So Trotman, you know, might be getting those easy balls there in the middle of the field from Drew Brees. So that's going to be exciting for the Saints moving forward. Uh, anything else you want to add there before I get to the Panthers? No, go for it. Boom, here we go. Panthers, round one, pick seven. Everyone's pretty much mocked this player there. They needed interior defensive lineman help. They got it with Derek Brown. In the second round, they went and got edge pressure with Yator Gross Matos. If I pronounce that name wrong, I am sorry, but that is about as good as I can do uh, with not saying it very much. Then they went and got Jeremy Chin in the second round as well, and then they just went on a run for uh, – for their secondary, they went and got Troy Pride, a cornerback. Then they got Kenny Robinson, a safety. Then they went and got another defensive lineman um, in Bravon Roy. And then they added, oh my word, they also added another corner in Stanley Thomas Oliver, Mr. Three First Names. Um, the Panthers did kind of what we expected them to do. And when I say we, I mean you and I, Trees, because we kind of said like, hey, they're going to need help in their secondary. We talked about it last year on how it was improved. It was better through the year than a lot of people thought. But you add interior defensive pressure, you added an edge rusher, and then you just built up secondary and secondary depth. Hopefully one of those guys hits and you're fine. So I think this is a pretty good draft by the Panthers and kind of what they're going for their future. You get a good Jeremy Chin um, and Derek Brown involved early. Like, hey, this team's going to be making some noise, especially with Brian Burns, who they drafted last year, uh, who was improving as well. So this is this was a good draft for the Panthers in my mind. Yeah, it was a very good draft in my opinion. I loved I loved their first two rounds with those three picks. I thought those were awesome. And then uh, Kenny Robinson, the safety, he was uh, from West Virginia originally, played in the XFL. I think he was the only player that got drafted from the XFL and like. Very good. Like a guy that has, even though if they don't, if rookies don't get enough, like mini camps or whatnot, like he has been one playing later than everybody else. And two has been in a pro 
organization. So like, that's going to be a big benefit for him, I think. So um, yeah, I totally agree with you. I, I love this draft. I really did. I thought they did a great job. Uh, let's talk about the Falcons. So the Falcons, uh, everybody thought they were going to move up, including us. They end up standing pat and they end up at pick 16, taking cornerback AJ Terrell out of Clemson. Uh, and then they go round two, they go uh, Marlon Davidson, a guy that I really liked, you liked. We watched him at Mobile. He did very good. Uh, and then they took Matt Hennessy and then Makai Walker, a linebacker uh, in the fourth round. And then another fourth round pick, they took Jalen Hawkins, the safety. And then in round seven, they ended up taking a punter. Uh, so for me, I really, really liked Terrell. I like Davidson. And then I like Walker, like those three. Um, the other ones I kind of just felt were not total needs that they had and i thought they could have done better for the value where they're taking picks for like where they're at and obviously they weren't a playoff team last year this division's even better like are they a playoff team this year we don't really know um so i really like the first two um i think that they will make a difference uh again i had like christian fulton and a couple other corners ahead of terrell so for me like position right choice player maybe not um and then marlon davidson i i do like that's marlon davidson and that pick 47 is my favorite pick they did yep uh, i like aj terrell in the first round uh go get yourself some corner after losing uh true font to the lions okay this defense needed help that's something we've talked about numerous times you also go and add marlon davidson you mentioned we liked him in mobile this dude tore it up day one in mobile he's probably got the biggest set of thighs i've ever seen on a human being saquon barkley's got quads this dude has got thighs. This man is a massive human being. Tore it up on day one. Comes in the second day with a boot on his foot. We didn't see any injury or really hear much of a report. It was just like, hey, you're doing that good. You're not even going to risk it. All right? We're not risking it for the biscuit. You're good. Just stand off to the side. Let some of these other guys eat um, what they can. Matt Hennessy in the third round. They must have just picked this guy. Not only one because he's an offensive lineman, but because, hey, Mr. Hennessy in Atlanta that dude just got his own branding right there as a rookie. Who cares if he's starting or not? That's going to be good for him. Uh, but like you said, I thought this was a decent a decent draft for the Falcons, nothing over the top. Oh, let's go ahead and get into the Buccaneers. Round one, pick 13. They traded up, correct? Or were they there? Am I misunderstanding? They, they, traded, they okay. traded up one pick with the 49ers. Perfect. So they did trade it up, and they got Tristan Wirfs, uh, the left tackle, uh, I think this was a great spot for that. You're going to protect Tom Brady. In the second round, they went and got Antone Winfield, uh, one of the best safeties last year in the NCAA in college football. Comes in this year, falls to the second round. This guy might be one of those players that we're talking about as a steal of the draft in round two because he's going to be motivated. His dad was a professional football player as well. He understands how everything needs to be done at a professional level. I think this was a great pick by the Buccaneers. They then go in round three and take Kayshawn Vaughn, a running back. Round five, they go Tyler Johnson out of Minnesota. Uh, depending on your feelings with him, that's either good or bad for Tyler Johnson. A lot of people thought he was going earlier. Several people thought, hey, this kid's not as good as we all think. Then they go Khalil Davis, defensive tackle. They go Chappelle Russell, a linebacker. And then they take Raymond Callis, another running back later in the draft. Um, so the Buccaneers, they got some depth. Uh, I think they did well. I don't think it was anything uh, of, of a fantastic draft. In the later rounds, you get more linebacker depth. You get more defensive uh, tackle pressure or presence there as well. But, you know, you take Winfield and Wirfs. Tom Brady's getting protected. You get more thumping power on your defense. 
I think you're going to be good because they've added to that defensive line the last couple of years within the draft. Um, and so now you're helping that secondary as well. This is going to be good for the Buccaneers. I'm really happy with what they did. Yeah, I actually really like it as well. Uh, Tristan Wirfs, fantastic uh, get right there. I totally agree with Winfield. Uh, Kishon Vaughn, they just had to get Tom Brady his new James White slash Deion Lewis. Like they just had to, and that's exactly what he is. Um with Ronald Jones kind of going to be the bell cow at this point. So um, I, I really like that. Um, the, the thing is they didn't have a fourth round pick because they traded up. That's what they gave away to move up one spot was their fourth rounder. So Vaughn was probably a little bit of a reach for me in round three, but also you knew you weren't getting him at pick uh, 161 where you got Tyler Johnson. So it also makes sense, right? Um, and then Tyler Johnson, I thought that was a great find for them. I got, I thought it was great like with him being the number three option there. The question is, is does he actually get the number three option? They have um, Scott Miller, the slot, uh, slot wide receiver on their mm-hmm. team, and he really started stepping it up last year before he got hurt. And – I think he'll have a tough time beating him out, to be honest with you. I think that Tyler Johnson will be wide receiver four on this team and honestly not get that much uh, that much looks during the dra- or during the season. Uh, Khalil Davis, good pick, and then just getting depth at uh, linebacker and you know other positions later on in the draft. So um, I think that's good for them. Just you know try to stock up players, try to make it so even if they're just camp legs, so your your studs like Devin White and uh, Levante David, uh, they don't just get a ton of wear and tear on their legs during camp. Like sometimes that's what a seventh round pick is for, where you're like, hey, he's athletic. Let's see what he got. But most likely he's not going to be around. And that's okay. That's acceptable. So um, overall, you know, I think that they got some players that are going to help them out this year. Um, I don't, I see two guys that will be like long-term solutions here. Um, So yeah. Perfect. So now if you're going to rate the NFC South, you're going to go, hey, we're not doing our fuck, Mary kill, Carol Baskin yet. But if you're going to rank one through four on where this team finishes, these teams finish in their division next season, what are you kind of looking at there? All right. So one is going to be the Saints. Um, I don't think that there's a lot of question there. I think that they were the best team coming into the draft. And then I think that they got two outstanding players that are actually going to help their team this year. Yep. Um. Number two for how, and we're just talking about how they're going to end this upcoming season, correct? The 2020-2021 I'm going to say the Falcons. Yeah, I'm going to do it. I don't care. I'm going to have the Falcons finishing second. Um, And that's more just because they were, I felt like they finally got healthy at the end of last year and things started clicking. That's why they won so many games and ended up being pick 16. Um, and then they got a couple positions of need there. And so I'm going to have them there and then the Bucks right behind them. Um, and then I will go the Panthers last. Okay. So I'm actually going to go the Saints, the Buccaneers, Falcons, and Panthers. I think we both agree on the Falcons falling or the Panthers being at the bottom. The Falcons, man, I just, I don't know. I don't know if they got enough on the defensive side of the ball to remain at the top. Um, even if they're healthy with just the weapons that the Saints and the Buccaneers both have. Yes, Tom Brady's older, but, like, dude, if he is protected in his given time, which he really wasn't last year in New England, he has more receiving options that he probably has ever had in his career, weapon-wise, especially with Gronk coming back, someone that he can trust. 
Um, even if they keep OJ Howard, I think that makes this offense even deadlier. So really, it almost comes down to: Do I think the Buccaneers win this division, or the Saints still come on top? The Panthers, I think you're you still got too many question marks um, on your offense. Is Teddy Bridgewater your future? Are you just hoping he doesn't play well so you tank? Are you wanting to compete? Really, what are you wanting to do after paying McCaffrey 16 million a year to be the highest paid running back? Kind of what's what's your decision and your plan here as a team? The Falcons, of course, are going to be competing. Can you remain healthy? If all goes well for the Falcons, dude, they very well could win this division. Like it could be that crazy for the NFC South with this, with three teams being in a position to go on a run in the playoffs if all goes well. But you know, everything that's the thing with the NFL. Everything has to go perfectly for your team uh, if you're gonna make it that far. One person gets hurt at the wrong point, it can kind of derail everything. So I'm gonna stick with Saints, Buccaneers, Falcons, Panthers. So do you think the Buccaneers are a playoff team? Yeah, honestly. Just because Tom Brady on offense, like this is going to go back to his Randy Moss days where he's just got to throw the ball up and Mike Evans is going to go get her. Chris Godwin breaks the tackle and goes. Uh, Their slot corner that you mentioned has the possibility to do well. I think this defense, you drafted Jones last year out of LSU. There's your linebacker. You focused on the defensive line as well the year before that. And now this year you go and get Anton Winfield. I mean, you're drafting guys at every level, and then you've gotten development over the last couple of years. Like, hey, that's really what they were missing this last season was a quarterback, dude. Someone to literally take care of the ball and not let the other team score. And this dude that we talked last week for your who am I or, you know, the tree Sibia, James just – the amount of pick sixes he threw was ridiculous. Yeah, for sure. Um, and actually, last episode I said I he started the season with a pick six and the and ended it with it. It was actually he started his career with a pick six and then ended it with a pick six. So it wasn't starting <laughs> the make season it any better. <laughs> it at least makes it even more better, actually. <laughs> so um, okay, so I'm gonna let you kick us off here. So. Who are – I'm going to go from what I consider best to worst. So let's go Mary because I consider Mary is the best. It's the most long-term, like you are building a foundation. So who is your Mary of this team, of this division? So if I'm marrying them, I'm honestly going to say the Buccaneers. You got yourself a starting tackle. You got yourself a starting safety who could be the steal of the draft, like I've already said. And you got yourself a running back who can go running back by committee or eventually take over that job. As long as you catch the ball at the backfield, those three right there can be potential starters for your team. And like you mentioned, the foundation for the future of what this team is for the Buccaneers, even once Tom Brady moves on, if it's even after this year or a couple years. Okay. All right. I like that. Uh, who's your, um, your fuck? Who's your one night stand here? Man, my one night stand, honestly, it might is probably going to be the Saints. They only had four picks, but dude, the three that they had, you got yourself a starting level center. You got yourself a, a what some people put as a round one, round two grade at linebacker in the third round. And then you got yourself a tight end who you traded up for. So you definitely see potential there. You definitely want him on your team. You got him there with Drew Brees. Holy shit. Hey. You might have something there, and these first three rounds of the draft were round one and round three within your three picks. I kind of like the Saints. I'm I'm gonna do that. That's gonna be a one nine. I'll take it home, see what happens. Maybe never call it back. Yeah. Okay. And your kill? Man, my kill probably gonna be the Falcons. Um. Nope. I'm gonna take that back. It's gonna be the Panthers. 
I like Derek Brown. You got interior pressure. You got edge rusher to go with Brian Burns. And then you got yourself a starting safety in plenty of secondary depth and potential starters as well. So the Falcons, Carol Baskin, the fuck out of here. You little bitch. I don't want to see you. Get out. Um, I thought your draft was okay. Therese already said we could have gone somewhere else with this. You could have added depth. You could have added more positions of need than what you did. I'm taking the Falcons as my Carol Baskin. All right. Okay. For my Mary. Who are you getting down on the knee for? You're presenting the ring. You're going to hand it to him and say, hey, forever's a long time, but I'm ready for it. Let's go. It's Matt Rule in the Carolina Panthers. Wow. Okay. I, so I don't kill them. You're marrying them. Yeah, you just killed my future wife. So appreciate that. <laughs> yep, so, um, <laughs> so I loved what they did. I think that their offense is in really good position right now. I do think they need some offensive line help, but at where they were taken, it just didn't make sense. Uh, Derek Brown and Yitor Grossmatos, like those are both, in my opinion, top 25 players. And Derek Brown, I had as a top seven player, and they took him at seven. So I think they did great there. Jeremy Chin, one of the better safety prospects, in my opinion, there. Uh, Troy Pride, cornerback there. We already talked about Kenny Robinson. I think he's great. And they uh, released uh, Reed, so they do need a safety or yeah, safety there. And then you just get other bodies with another cornerback and another defensive lineman and just see what hits. So I think that they did perfect. It was just like defense. Our offense has weapons all days. We have our quarterback. Offensive line, maybe our interior offensive line is a little weak, but we trust our coaching staff to get them ready, and let's roll with it. So uh, I think when it's all said and done, they will have the best draft there. So wow. my one-night stand, my fuck, is the Broncos. Or the Broncos, the Buccaneers, sorry. I say, read, whoa. I'm, I'm reading my other notes here, My the Buccaneers. <laughs> so... I thought the Bucks, like you said, they were your – sorry, correct me. They were your Mary, right? So um, I loved what they did with Tristan Ward. I totally agree with Anton Winfield. That could be a steal. And then, again, I already talked about Keyshawn uh, Vaughn being their steal there and I kind of being their receiving running back there. I think that that's going to really help out o- opening up things in that offense where teams can't just drop back and play cover three there for these deep threat wide receivers. They're actually going to have to stay up or, or they're going to just let Vaughn tear them apart. Tyler Johnson, in case that uh, Scott Miller doesn't stay healthy, they got another weapon there. And then again, just getting some bodies later on. So um, yeah, they're going to be that. Uh, what's next? Kill. My kill is the Saints. So um, I really liked number one and two. Like I, I like Ruiz. I like Vaughn. I don't like the next two. I don't know why you needed another quarterback, especially when you already had two and you had to have known the Jameis Winston talk was underway. There's no way that it's you just magically signed him a day later without ever talking to him. Um, and Trotman, like, I just feel like he's not going to help them this year. They have Jared Cook, so it just doesn't help them this year. And this is kind of their run. Like Drew Brees' last year, like, does that really help you? So they did get two guys that help, but that's it to me um and then my carol baskin like yours is the falcons uh i i was actually going back and forth with this and it's funny because i took the falcons to take second place in the division and (laughs) it's because i do love marlon davidson i really do i think he's a long-term solution um but again aj terrell i thought christian fulton was better i thought that uh jeff gladney was better so 
Like there's other, I thought Jalen Johnson was better. So yeah. like I, there's three or four corners on the board that I thought was, that were better than this guy. They did the right choice on the position, just not the player in my opinion. And again, we have already talked about it multiple times. Like you're a team that didn't make the playoffs. I'm sorry. I just don't, I, it doesn't make sense to me to make a, to take a punter at all in the draft. Like, I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's a seventh round pick. Like I'd much rather just take a shot at somebody like why not? Look, yeah. and I, of course I'm a Jackson, so I'm going to say it, but like, look at Gardner Minshew sixth round guy. Like you take chances. Like what is a punter actually going to do? And I know he's a puncher slash kicker. He can do both, but like, didn't you guys find an awesome kicker last year that like is just amazing at onside kicks and shit anyway. So like, why are you wasting oh, yeah. a pick here? So yeah, to me, and I, I mean, I like the safeties on this Falcons team. So taking a safety in the fourth round, I get it. I, I get it. Your safeties are kind of injury prone, but I really like your safeties. Like Yano Neal is one of my favorite players in the NFL. Like he is so much fun to watch when he's on the field. Given I know he's been hurt the last two years, so maybe that's why. But again, you don't make the playoffs. Sometimes you need to just go a different route. So that one was tough for me. Those two were kind of fighting it fighting the battle but you actually kind of convinced me so i actually crossed it out and swapped it when you were talking so well hey you're welcome uh the falcons are are just begun to both of us just like her husband dead dead (laughs) (laughs) oh that's awesome okay cool so that is the nfc south we will continue to do this uh one division at a time uh, if we're uh, if we're filling up to it, maybe we'll do two divisions one day. We don't know. We're gonna just we're gonna play it by ear and just kind of see how it goes. For but sure. um, it kind of just depends on what else news is going on, to be honest with you. So uh, the draft was fun. I'm super upset it's over with. Um, it's upsetting, but it went by quick. Went by way too quick. The only good news is for Jaguars fans, it's Trevor Lawrence season. So that's fantastic to know. Um, but other than that, I mean, now we play the waiting game to when does football actually start up again? When do sports start up again? And are we going to actually see these players and how, how much does this affect rookies is a big question to me. Like not being able to like go to place, you know, go here, do a mini camp, see the city. Like, are they going to like, is everything going to open up in like late July and teams are going to be panicking and these rookies are going to have to go in and like, had to find a place to live and learn how to be a pro and like all this time in such a shorter time frame. Like I could actually see some rookies really struggling this year and people being like, this guy's a bust. He doesn't know what he's doing. And then year two, you see a giant leap because they're yeah. much more comfortable. So it, it's going to be interesting to see, cause I know like Missouri, they're about to just go through phase one of kind of reopening the state and all the businesses and stuff like that. Uh, so we could see just like a huge transition of everything kind of starting to get back on track uh, with this. But, you know, like you said, who knows? And it could be a hard time for the rookies. So just remain patient with everything. Stay safe. Stay smart. We appreciate you guys listening. Be sure to check us out on iTunes as well. Rate, review, and subscribe. Let us know in the comment section of our YouTube video. Do you like what we're doing? Do you not like it? Any recommendations? Seriously, just toss them out there. We're all growing this together. Hey, it's you and I. It's us and everyone. Let's go. Let's do this, baby. Exactly. We appreciate you guys, and tonight we've been talking football.
Thank you.